Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Good evening. I feel like I feel like it's our evening. And then I realized that people are listening to I this know, and it's, like, my, it's eight in the morning. What are you talking about? Good evening. It's my new goal that we start saying hello to our audience instead of to each other. Because like 200 and almost 50 episodes is a great time to change habits. <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That's probably annoying. They're listening and it only makes sense to you and me. So hello, listeners. Um, thanks for joining us again this week. <laughs> and or if you're friends. listening for the first time, we apologize in advance. We do our best, but you're the one. That signed up. Don't forget that. <laughs> you know what has just happened is every single new listener just has us off. already turned us off. That's it. It's cool. That's it. It's, it's just cool. it's just us and and the the like the regulars now. That's I love you regulars anyway. So we're we're good. How are you? Like me, as in Sarah Ballantyne. Yes, you said okay. the listeners I just, can't I tell me you were how they are. Okay. Um, I'm good. I'm tired. So um, the CrossFit Open started, I guess, by the time this airs, I can say like a week ago. Um, but I did a 17.1 on Friday and I came out of the gate RXing my first CrossFit Open workout of the season. Mm-hmm. And um, for people who... So for people who aren't familiar with CrossFit, the games are like a huge fitness competition, but they launch every year with the Open, and it's five weeks of one workout a week um, that, you know, everybody in CrossFit can do. And so, you know, I think our um, – uh, my gym has, you know, something like 80 or 90 people who have signed up for the Open. I um, mean, you know, it's pretty typical for, for gyms to have between – half and all of their members, you know, sign up. And we all do this incredibly brutal, super tough and humbling workout together. And then we all wonder why we signed up together. Um, But it's this kind of amazing community building, sort of rite of passage experience. And what you end up doing is in the, you know, quarter million or 300,000 people worldwide who who sign up for this every year. I don't actually know what the number is for this year yet. Um, You get a ranking and you sort of, you know, you're sort of competing against yourself and how you ranked last year. And um, you're just trying to do your best. And they have a what's called RX or prescribed weight, which is what the elite athletes are doing. And then they have what's called a scaled version. And they also have, you know, special workouts for, you know, master's division and teenage division as well. And so the scaled version is the very accessible, you know, something that, you know, anybody can do, although everybody will still find tough. So um, I came out for the very first workout 
doing the RX, which means I did the exact same version as the elite athletes, although it did not look the same when I did it as when the elite athletes did it. Yeah, Let's be about, completely clear on that one. The thing about doing it RX is that then you can compare yourself to the elite athletes and you're like, uh-huh. oh. Yeah. As, I, as I like to say, uh, separating the wheat from the chaff and I'm totally chaff. <laughs> just, I am just – Feed, feed, turn me into pig bedding. That's that's what's that's what I'm good for, which is kind of ironic, I suppose, of a, a analogy in the paleo community. But there you go. Um, so it was the the first workout was uh, one arm snatches and burpee box jumps, and I have never done one arm snatches before. So after going through technique with my coach, you know, I then felt like okay, I got this. Let's sure. Let's try it. And I, um, hit the time cap. So I didn't actually finish the work. I mean, the workout was either this much, you know, do this, it this many times, or you've got a time cap and I hit the time cap, but I got as far as I was sort of striving to, which was into the last round. And, um, I woke up Saturday morning and it was like from my rear end to my neck was one giant completely seized and sore muscle. I couldn't move. It was awesome. So I've basically spent the last three days stretching and doing, you know, mineral soaks, baths and <laughs> a magnesium oil and rolling out. And, you know, I went into the gym today and did some really light movement and some more uh, mobility work just to try recover enough because you know by the time this podcast goes live we all know what 17.2 is and I'm getting ready to do another workout tomorrow morning or this morning depending on when you listen to the podcast so um so it's a really fun experience but it's definitely you know as, as I said to my husband's like oh I don't think I've been this sore since the open last year um you know they really are very very challenging workouts because they're designed to um you know separate and show clear differences among the most elite athletes in the world. So, you know, if the workouts are designed to be able to rank those people for as my seven-year-old, um, my kids had the week off school last week and, um, I brought my seven-year-old to the gym. Every, um, I think every day that I went, so four times last week. And, uh, she goes, uh, mom, when are you going to go to the CrossFit games? And I said, oh, oh no, honey, honey, I am a very, very average CrossFitter. <laughs> and, and she goes uh, uh, like, oh, and I said, but did you know who is a really amazing athlete? And she looks at me and she goes, dad, nope, Aww. nope, sorry, honey. Nope, nope. You do not come from athletes. That is not something that you have in your family. But our coach, you know, the gym owner's wife um, has competed at the games the last two years, and she's an amazing athlete. And then you could just see, you know, we had been in one day where we were watching her do handstand walks, and you could just see the wheels turning in my seven-year-old's face of, oh, yeah, I've never seen mom do a handstand walk. Got it. (laughs) It's like all of a sudden, okay, I got it. And then – and then I was like, let me show you a picture of Samantha Briggs on my phone. Do you see her muscles? <laughs> Does mommy have any muscles that look like that? And then my kids were very sweet and were like, yeah, you kind of have one there, mom. I was like, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. But this is not, this is not the same. Not the, not the same. But, um, but it, was, it was very sort of sweet of my kids to, 
just, you know, assume that, um, you know, the persistence, because I work out four times a week and I, you know, I only miss if I'm very, very sick, um, which fortunately I'm knocking on wood as I say that hasn't happened in a while. And, um, and so I like the idea that they sort of equate that persistence and consistency with the achievement um, because, you know, for them, you know, their, their lives are this wide open, you know, field now they, they can do whatever and we get to find out what they're going to do with their lives and persistence and consistency is such an important um, aspect of success no matter what you're, you're trying to do and so I love that they're seeing that in activity um, and I'm hoping that that translates for them into you know a message about work ethic and and how how really no matter how talented we are that working hard is still an important part of achieving goals so there's my parenting message well i think it's more than parenting cuz it's a good um bridge into what i wanted to talk about tonight because i've been getting a lot of questions and comments since I am no longer able to do CrossFit or strongman workouts, um, for people to talk to me, talk a little bit about where I am in that journey. And also, um, one of the things that we did when we moved the blog to uh, Real Everything from Paleo Parents was I wanted to talk more about um, body love, body acceptance, self love self-respect, um, and all the things that go into that. And I think you talking about, um, the things that you pride yourself on, whatever they might be. And the example that you want to set forth for your children are a really good example of, um, doing what works for you and also makes you feel good. And that's not the same for everybody. I know that we have a lot of listeners who, have autoimmune conditions that prevent them from doing a really tough workout like CrossFit. Mm. Um, and then there's, of course, the opposite side of the coin, people who don't have that kind of self-love and respect for themselves and who choose to do harsh workouts because they think they need to punish themselves or they need to look different or they need to, you know, fo focus on outward appearance more so than, you know, how they feel or what their health is. So I think it's a, a really good bridge to that concept of what I've been getting a lot of questions on, which is, as I start to feel around social media and the blog a little bit, I'm so used to posting food photos. I'm like, oh, well, what I really want to talk about today is something else. And sometimes I get back into like a groove and a habit of doing something different. But when I do get a chance to feel and follow my own um, mission, so to speak, um, the thing that usually comes up the most is either about, you know, finding myself and um, finding self-love and um, acceptance, really, through this uh, almost two-year journey now of hurting my back. And um, the other thing that comes up a lot is being a parent, but in a different way than we signed up to be paleo parents, you know, almost seven years ago now. It is more about the journey that as a parent, 
um, I'm on. And I think that goes hand in hand. And I, I think it's just, you know, I'm a middle-aged working mom and I have a lot of, um, feels that a lot of middle-aged moms have. And so I thought it'd be good to kind of address all of these different range of, um, thoughts and just give people a general update on the last podcast that we had, I think on the topic in general was when I talked about going on SSRI medication because Mm. I was feeling depressed from, um, that back injury. And it's been quite some time now since I think maybe like nine months, maybe a little shy. Um, and so it's quite, it's, it's, you know, been quite a time and, and I feel in a much more comfortable space now to talk about these things than I did then because I really was on a journey to accept myself and accept what was happening to my body and to my emotions um, in a way that I hadn't really prepared for. Now I know what it's like when you give these monologues and then I'm on the other side, like mute button. Oops, accident. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It helps for me to have a cup of herbal tea beside because my mouth gets really dry when I get up on my little soapbox and rattle on. Not that you were rattling on. You were speaking very, very gracefully and coherently. I'm (laughs) saying that when I talk for longer periods of time, some rattling is typically happening. One of the things that I've been able to do watching you transition from paleo parents to real everything is really um, broaden the scope of the topics that you're addressing, which I think I know that you really sort of craved the ability to do that for a long time. And it's been really wonderful to watch you tackle, I think, what are very, very relevant issues to the paleo community, but that are maybe a little bit tangential to parenting or food, but are things that I think um, really deserve a little bit more airtime. And I think that the conversation of, um, you know, there's this part of a health journey that is just very practical, right? Like discovering what foods work really well for us, discovering what choices we can make during the day that yields the best sleep quality, discovering what activities we really enjoy doing, we want to continue. And there's this part of the health journey that's really just about, you know, figuring out what the best choices are for us physically, emotionally. But then there's this whole other piece of this health journey that is um, discovering, I think, an awareness of ourselves and a respect for ourselves. And, you know, as moms, I think especially, but I know this happens to, you know, plenty of dads as well, um, and even um, people who aren't parents yet who still find themselves in caregiving roles, is I think we've got this unfortunate um, ability generally as, as humans to prioritize responsibilities and looking after the other people in our lives before we look after ourselves. And I think that one of the wonderful things that happens in part of this, as part of this health journey, right, we're trying to figure out how to make ourselves physically healthy, is that we end up at some point being confronted with the necessity to prioritize 
ourselves, or at least make sure that looking after ourselves is high up enough on the to-do list that it gets done. Um, And that looks very different for different people, but we end up as part of this journey is really discovering that we need to uh, love ourselves and respect ourselves and nurture ourselves. And it becomes this sort of accidental part of, of finding health is also in many ways. I mean, I feel very much for me, it was almost, it's almost been like I've been figuring out who I am as part of my health journey. Um, and I just never, it's almost like I was just as much as I was ignoring how awful I felt physically, I was ignoring all of my other needs as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find that that is more often the case for people. Um, like you said, not, not just, um, if they're going on a health journey, not just if they're a parent, not just, you know, for these varieties of things, but I think it's inevitable in any sort of transformation in your life. And so what was really, um, I'll say unique, um, but I don't know that it really is about my journey is that, you know, I was on this trajectory. I lost weight. I was a competitive athlete and, um, my health was the most pristine it had ever been. I was managing multiple autoimmune diseases and um, a a variety of health conditions with a healthy lifestyle. And I had that, what felt like just ripped away from me one day. And that was really difficult. And you can go back and listen to the podcast. And I'm, I'm happy to say I'm not crying today. I'm not emotional about it. And it took a really long time for me to get there. Um, but as you said, with persistence and with acceptance, I was able to say to myself, like, there's there's nothing I can do about that. It, it happened. Whether it was X, Y, or Z, um, whether I can look back at the moment and wish that I had had less of an ego and not insisted on picking up a concrete block to show a man that I was stronger than him in the garden, um, that's kind of irrelevant because it happened. It's in the past. And dwelling on that and thinking about it and and you know, really lamenting my injury and being um, both mournful and jealous and angry at those people who didn't have the problems that I had weren't helping my life in any sort of value add sort of way. And I think that there are a lot of things that happen to people that put them in that situation. And um, I think the thing as interesting as it is for me, that really helped me get to a place where I finally felt really good and was accepting of my life was when, you know, my brother died, when the second husband to my family died, when Matt's brother who lived with us, who, you know, was a father figure to our kid passed um, unexpectedly at the end of last year, it really uh, pushed me to um, wake up and realize how short life is, how much I wanted to be present, how how lucky the things that I had were, and how very fortunate I was that I 
came out of what could have been a literal debilitating uh, back injury and was able to recover through that healthy lifestyle without needing surgery, which my doctor didn't think would be possible. My doctor says that I am now operating at a level of mobility than she would have been able to achieve with surgery. And so there are things that you know, I'm able to focus on and I'm able to find positivity in. But ultimately, what it really comes down to is that acceptance of what is happening in my life and what I can and cannot change and being accountable for the things that I can change and the things that I want to do. And so for me, that had a lot to do with um, accepting the fact that I gained weight. Um I think it comes as no surprise that when you are a competitive athlete uh, working out really hard several times a week and you immediately are horizontal for a long time um, and then you go on a medication that is known for gaining, for, for putting on weight for people, that weight gain is something that was going to happen. And it's one of the things that I had to accept. It was one of the things that I felt a lot of shame about for a really long time and I was nervous to meet friends that hadn't seen me in a while. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm that gross person that I was years and years ago. And that shame is something that I had not felt in a long time. And I think that's because I'd gone through this transformation journey and not fully um, acknowledged all the... F- well, I don't know if I hadn't acknowledged them, but I think that there's a, a lot of feelings there that maybe never go away. So you and I have talked about how after we lost weight, we started realizing how differently people treated us hmm. before when we were heavier. Um, things like holding the door, making eye contact, basic human um, interactions were different day to day. And um, so as I was putting weight back on, I think a lot of those things that I was aware of uh, became things that I were was fearful of or shameful of. And I just don't think that anyone ever benefits from those feelings. And I know that I'm like the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the advocate for that in my life, right? I tell everybody I know to, to be themselves and to, you know, focus on health and all these kinds of things. But it's not that I'm a hypocrite. It's that we all have that. It's all ingrained, whether it's society or our bringing or, you know, our biology or whatever it is. I think that it's um, natural for a lot of people to, to feel that way. Um, and so I think with the realization that um, a loved one had passed, I think it was really easy for me to get over that. Like, it was like, quick. Like it didn't even occur to me when we were doing family gatherings and all that kind of stuff. It just didn't matter anymore. It, it wasn't what mattered when we were all getting together. I, I gave no thought to it anymore. Um, and so I don't know that there's like a light bulb moment that I can give everybody else, but I, I do want to encourage people to really be accountable for how you're treating yourself. You know, as, as always, would you say something to somebody else that you think about yourself? Um, are you surrounding yourself with loved ones who will encourage and be there for you? And now I'm getting teary-eyed. Um, <laughs> because Matt and I's relationship is so much better than it was nine months ago because I'm in a healthy place and we're back to being... Um, the partnership that we were before. And 
that would not have happened at least as seamlessly as it did without his support and his encouragement of both, you know, tolerating me when I was being ridiculous to um, really encouraging me to find acceptance and find love and find medical intervention to feel my best. So um, for the record, for those people who have asked and those trolls on the internet, yes, I've gained weight and no, I don't feel shame about it. And I don't, um, I'm not going to go on Weight Watchers and I'm not going to go back to being bulimic. Um, the thing about going up and down in a weight loss journey like I have and knowing my body's autoimmune conditions is that I know how very sensitive it is to um, change of certain things. And so I know that there are things that I can do to make myself feel my best. Um, those things being eating a nutrient-dense lifestyle, um, eating nutrient-dense foods, living a healthy lifestyle, getting sleep, getting physical activity. And at this point, that is like walking for me. I really, there are, there aren't very many physical activities that I can do. Even stretching, um, yoga, physical therapy is disruptive to, um, the healing that I'm naturally doing on my spine with natural movements. And so it's a gentle, slow process, but I just remind myself like, well, I'm walking and I'm working and I'm not on pain medication and I didn't have to have surgery. And eventually that might get better and it might not, but I accept that this is where I am today. And so I'm just going to continue to focus on being my healthiest self, being, um, you know, someone that drinks, tea instead of eating ice cream emotionally before bed. These are good choices. And um, if that's the most that I can do right now, that's okay for me. And I think um, it's been it's been interesting to walk that line of, you know, you and I answering questions to um, audience members and knowing that I was in a different place in my journey than we were even recommending to some people. And that's, and it's why if you go back and listen, you'll hear me say, like, you might not be ready for that, or it might be a phased approach, or it's not a one size fits solution, because you and I have always advocated that because we know um, that it's a journey, and it's a template, and it's a self discovery journey. And, um, there are things that can be triggers for me. And so it just makes so much more sense for me to focus on being happy, accepting myself, loving my life, um, finding joy where I can, uh, reducing my stress every place possible, and finding more time for the things that bring me joy. And those lead to me being healthier and happier and making better decisions. So um, yeah, that's that. That's my story. That's my update. I'm sticking to it. So I want um, to focus in on one of the many amazing things that you just shared, and that was perspective. Um, and that you know you had to go through a personal tragedy to really have a big shift in perspective um, and be able to start really thinking about you know, loving yourself and forgiving yourself and um, being kind to yourself. Um, but that you were sort of, uh, you know, until that point, sort of stuck in that more um, 
negative cycle. And, you know, what I'm trying to hone in on here is if there was um, like basically how to help other people also gain that perspective without having to go through personal tragedies. Right. Yeah. Like that would be the best thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, so kind of what I want to hone in on is if there was, you know, um, a question that you felt that you were able to start asking yourself that, you know, that was part of that development of perspective. Um, you know, you sort of mentioned something like, you know, would I um, tolerate this if this was someone else saying this to me? Right. I think we tend to be our own um, worst critics and we tend to say things to ourselves that we would not say to other people or that if someone else, you know, said to us, we would slap them across the face. But we say it to ourselves and we somehow think that that's okay. Um, I really I really liked that one question, but I was sort of wondering if you felt like you had any other insight into um, a question or a routine or um, an activity or or something to help sort of jumpstart that perspective for people without um, having to have, I mean, not just the personal tragedy, but, you know, without having to hit a rock bottom or without having to hit a crisis point. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question and point. Um, I will note that one of the first things that I did once I truly felt that acceptance was buy clothes in a size that fit. Um, I think that there was some sort of unconscious self-punishment that as I had gained weight, I did not want to um, – wear different clothes or admit that I wasn't the same. I mean, I was, I knew that I wasn't the same size, but it was like, I told myself, well, if you buy, if you buy clothes in a larger size, then you're, you know, accepting that you're bigger instead of, you know, trying to lose the weight. And I think that that was a, a really uh, powerful message to myself when I decided that it was ridiculous that I had like, you know, uh, a few things that still fit. And um, I was like, I deserve to be comfortable. I deserve to, to feel like I can get dressed in the morning and go to work and not be you know, ashamed or whatever. And I think giving myself that permission to accept that that was the state of my body at that time, and that it didn't mean that I was never going to lose weight again. It didn't mean that I was going to gain back all of my weight, which I have not, um, that, you know, somehow that was going to be the case. And, and I think once I kind of accepted like, hey, this is where you are right now and that's okay and you deserve to have clothes that fit. It was a huge um, shift to my mentality. And I, I know that that sounds really superficial, but I think that level of forgiveness I see in a lot of people who feel um, this this shame about something in their life, whether it's you know permission to um, treat yourself at a hair salon or a nail spa or um, – permission to get a gym membership because last time you had one, you didn't go or all of these things that you tell yourself that's, that's really negative self-talk. And it's, it's only going to propel you to be filled uh, with that negativity and not encourage you to try. And I think for me, um, you know, I, 
I felt a lot of that negativity from my inability to move and my inability to work out and be active the way I really wanted to. And then I would shame myself and be like, well, you know, maybe you could do this or you should do that, even though I knew that I should not. Um, I don't like the word should, that it was not good for my health that um, I do that activity. And I think, you know, just telling myself like, you know what, this is okay. Like, first of all, everybody knows I had a back injury. Like my parents, they'll say things to me when they see me like, are you going to be able to work out again? And I know what they're saying is like, I, you've gained weight. And I'm like, yep, I have gained weight. And nope, I can't work out. <laughs> like, um, and, and just kind of owning it has really that, that mentality, um, and, and not being afraid to say it both to myself and to others, um, really made a big difference in my life. And, and I don't know that I can like, just tell people the magic light bulb moment to get them there. But I also think that, you know, there's scientific evidence that says the more you smile, the happier you'll be. Um, that if you want to be in a better mood, um, if you say nice things, and if you smile more, then you'll actually put yourself in a better mood or have the potential to do so more likely than not. Um, and I think it's that same mindset with positivity and forgiveness and acceptance. Like, if you tell yourself these things, and you will them to be so, then I think naturally, the rest will um, follow much easier than not. Yeah, I'm trying to think, because um, this is, you know, I'm, I would be lying if I said I didn't struggle with, um, I think it's almost, I guess it's a, I have a hard time appreciating myself if that's, that's probably the best way to explain it. So when I take a moment and think about how far I've come and you know, what I'm doing with my life and, you know, how big my trap muscles are now. Like I, I, you know, when I, so big, hey, by the way, there's, there's, they're huge. They're my favorite muscle. So I, every time you post photos of your shoulders, your clavicles, I'm like, girl, right. I mean, that is clearly my best angle. And right after I worked <laughs> out when they're all like bulgy, but, uh, I mean, that's, you know, it's my favorite, my, my shoulder muscle right there. It's my favorite muscle. But um, when I can take the moment, um, it's almost, um, to me, it's, it's very similar to taking a moment to practice gratitude. So, um, you know, there's some really actually good scientific studies showing the health benefits of gratitude practice. And that can be a gratitude journal or it can be a gratitude meditation. Um, but really, it, it just means taking a moment um, to let yourself feel grateful for something. And it can be something small. It can be something big. I'm grateful for my spouse or I'm grateful um, for that pretty flower in the field right there that I'm walking by, right? It can be a, a small detail or it can be a big picture item. And I think that when I take a moment to feel gratitude and self-directed towards myself um, and it, it for something specific, right? Um, I'm, you know, grateful for, you know, my commitment to working out because that's what's allowed me to have these great shoulder muscles or whatever it is. And I take that moment. Um, that's what gets me closer to uh, 
self-acceptance and self-appreciation. And also it kind of breaks up any um, sort of negative self-speak that I, I mean, and I do fall into it and I have to be really mindful not to. And if I'm stressed, if I'm facing a deadline, if there was an internet troll on my Facebook page or seven internet trolls on my Facebook page, Always or if the troll, right. Um, or if, um, if I'm, you know, if I'm tired and run down, um, if my kid was particularly whiny that day, right? Any of those things can make it a lot harder for me to break out of those negative thought patterns. Um, and then I have to be even more mindful and it, I'm not always successful. Um, I mean, and I think I, you know, by sharing that, I, I kind of want to maybe emphasize your point that, it's this is as much a journey as everything else that we do within the paleo sphere, the ancestral health sphere um, is a, you know, making progress towards a goal and um, and practice is a really important part of that and self-experimentation and um and self-awareness, right? All of those things apply just as much to the physical health journey of figuring out what foods are optimal for me as much as they are to the emotional health journey of getting to a place of, you know, really true, consistent self-love and acceptance and respect. And, um, and I think it's okay for it to be a journey, right? It's, it's not like I, I, I can't go, I'm going to start loving myself more. And then it's like automatically there. It's not, it's not some, something that I can just decide to do. And then it magically happens. I have to think about what that looks like. Think about, um, how do I show myself that I love myself? How do I talk to myself if I love myself? Um, what kind of self-care activities do I engage in if I'm love myself? And I have to, work towards you know, that that sort of pinnacle of you know perfectly consistent and genuine self-love in uh, just as ba- as men- much in terms of as baby steps as I do in terms of you know you know eliminating and reintroducing certain foods and um you know I know that some people don't struggle with this at all and they probably stopped listening 25 minutes ago um, well, hopefully not because they can help friends other and people. family and loved yeah. ones because I think that's that's another um, component that, you know, I got teary-eyed about, but I, I really do want to emphasize, which is that, you know, just like this happened to me for a while, there have been plenty of periods in Matt and I's marriage where he wasn't his best self and I had to be there for him and it might not look the same way as what, you know, my uh, trouble period looked like, but certainly being there for one another. And I think more so than that, you know, one of the other things that I think really motivated me um, at the time that uh, we had this family loss was that I really felt compelled to be there for my kids. And I knew that um, focusing on things that were, quite frankly, shallow, 
um, or that presented me as um, not being able to handle taking on their sadness and their loss um, as a parent was something that really motivated me to um, propel myself forward in a way that I was able to be there for them. And I, and, and I think that the more we think about the relationships with others, because if we look back on when I went on depression medication, it was my relationship with Matt that really pushed me to, to the realization that it was something that I needed to do for us. Not only was it something that I needed to do for myself, but it was something that I needed to do for us. And I think there, I'm not the only person in the world who um, sometimes focuses on others more than myself. And this is something I know about myself. It's something um, that I try to actively um, work towards not doing as much. It's why I regularly get manicures and pedicures. That's something that I tell myself, like, this is something that you're going to do for you. And while you're there, you're not going to worry about what anybody else is doing and you're going to relax. Um, and I think the more, th- if there are people out there that have that as a habit or um, uh, part of their character, that the more you can lean on someone um, to to be that um, rock for you, the easier it will be for you to prop yourself up. So I know for me, um, taking that first step and saying it was something that I was going to do for for the family um, was really helpful in, in moving me forward and getting out of a chemical funk. There was certainly still you know, this mentality that I needed to move forward on and, and self-forgiveness and all this kind of stuff that I really couldn't do when I was, you know, chemically depressed. And that was certainly easier once I addressed that issue. Um, but I, I know for certain that um, wanting to be emotionally available for my children um, was something that motivated me to figure out how to back out of the thing that was that was causing me to be so self self-centered and self-focused which um is a is a common uh side effect of of depression you become very inward focused so um yeah i would say the other thing is you know the more you can can really not just find a support system to encourage you but also one that motivates you is essential so um i kind of feel like you like already gave a like wrapped up take home message um, <laughs> <laughs> right there. I was going to sort of say like, you know, if you have, um, I guess I want to ask you this, if you want, if you can distill um, this entire topic into one main message, what is it? Oh, well, that's not difficult at all. Th- thanks, Sarah. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean it would be challenging. I meant that you, mm-hmm. you've already, you've yeah. given so many, you have to, you ha- now you have to do one. Okay, great. Um, I would say that it is important to accept and acknowledge yourself exactly as you are today. Whether you're overweight or underweight, whether you have a medical condition that frustrates you, um, whether you have personal struggles that, you know, we can't even possibly imagine, the sooner you accept that as being the truth, the easier it will be for you to move forward with how to focus on being your best self. Drop the mic. 
Okay. I, d- I came up with something. Good goodness. No pressure. <laughs> well, um, what I what I do want to say to everyone is uh, thank you for caring about me and checking on me and internet trolls. Um, <laughs> um, I am so grateful for everyone who participates in our lives and um, for, you know, having been there for Sarah and I for almost five years now. Um, it has been such uh, a joy and a pleasure uh, to hear from you all and hear how we affect your lives. And it's not often, or we don't say it often enough, how much you affect and have changed ours. So thank you so much to all of you. And um, we know that we joke around all the time that there are six of you and that it's awful and we're sorry we'll be back next week. But we know... um, that you all tune in because you have the same respect and adoration for us. And um, having met many of you in person and heard from you personally through social media or email and all those kinds of things, um, I can only hope to give back to you guys the way that you've helped um, in my family's life. So thank you. Um, And again, I just want to echo to all of our listeners Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back week after week. And we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Um, Can I go um, get some more tea? unacceptable what do you think this is england why yes mom i do (laughs) okay 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 bye hello listen some days i get home so late that i don't have time to take off my spanks before we record and i just want to say that's one of those days you know, one of the things that I've been able to watch you do with real everything is, uh, oh, can you can you hear my cat? Totally. Yeah, she's walking around with a toy in her mouth, and she's really <laughs> proud of herself right now. I got she, toy. she killed the yarn ball. Is pretty much what that is. Um, <laughs> cat. Anytime you wanna you wanna wrap it up. You good now? Okay, we're good. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.